and welcome back to another episode of the For the Good podcast. Yeah, and we got a very, very good friend of ours on the Potter today. Very, very special guest. Yeah. So this is my hometown church pastor from Ohio. So he agreed to come on and uh, we'll just ask him a bunch of questions. But um, before we get into the questions, Paul, you want to go ahead and just give a brief introduction of you and uh, just your church that you have. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, thank you. Thank you guys for inviting me to be a part. Honored to be here. Uh, I pastor a church in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, planted it. We are 16 and a half years old as a church family. Started in a basement with three couples, praying big prayers and dreaming big dreams. And now we are a, a multi-site church that is going to turn 17 this year. And a big part of a, our DNA is church planting. So we help plant churches all over the world and have a separate church planting movement. And that's uh, Rivers Crossing Church. Super excited about what God's doing here in Cincinnati and in Texas and all over the world, wherever your listeners and viewers are watching from. We believe he's moving in really unique ways. Yeah, we have, actually, I looked at it the other day. We have viewers all over the place, mm -hmm. even some outside of the United States. So mm -hmm. it's amazing. Um, That's really cool. He's definitely moving right now. So mm -hmm. awesome. Without a doubt. Yeah, we know you have a busy schedule, Paul. So we're just thankful that you're on here and made some time for us. Yes, thank um, you. You're very welcome. Yeah, the questions that we're going to be asking you, um, it feels like some of them we also want to know, mm -hmm. but a lot of the questions that we are going to be asking, you don't cover this in church whatsoever. And a majority of our listeners, like we talked a little bit before, is they go to church, but they need something more than just church. Mm -hmm. right. And it's hard for people to find that you know, outside of just the church, right? It's, it's hard to find you know, people that are really talking about Jesus outside of church right yeah so yeah we we know you guys enjoy the last q a but this one's not really going to be much about relationships so if, yeah if y'all are in here for relationships <laughs> we're not really gonna be talking much about that this time all right so this is a question that i used to battle with a lot and um I've heard multiple answers from it from pastors so i just really want to get your insight on it so okay. Um, you know, the Bible tells us that God knows us before we're even created in the womb. He already has a plan for us. He knows our life. He knows what we're going to do, right? He's all knowing. Um, so God wrote our stories before we were born. So what if we don't follow it and we quote unquote mess it up? That is the ultimate question, right? Uh, <laughs> that's a great question. I think now you can get different answers. Like if you've asked other pastors, this or other theologians, or other spiritual leaders, you get different answers because it kind of depends on which side of the theological divide that you fall right. on. Right. Mm -hmm. And, 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 you know, cause you attended church here for a while. Like we are, we strive for balance. So that's kind of a life mm -hmm. passion. A lot of people mean different things by that. I'm not talking about, you know, that everything has to, the traditional sense of balance, the scales of justice, you know, we want to try to bring things to equilibrium. I'm talking about tensions in the Bible because the Bible is full of tension, right? It's like whosoever will can be saved. And then it's like, I chose you from the foundation of the earth and you're elected. So which one is it? Can anybody get saved or is it only the elected that are saved? And I think sometimes you have to look at the whole council and what we all do. I'm guilty of this as anybody else is we cherry pick verses or we hear a verse that we really like and we're like oh yeah 
You know, Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, mm-hmm. says the Lord, plans to give you a hope and a future. And well, that was written to a very specific audience. Does it still carry meaning to us? hundred percent. Right. So I think when you ask that question, it's like, yes, are those writers, are they writing about the nature and character of God when they're describing him? Cause he is all knowing, right? He's, he's all powerful. Oh, we got some bubbles going on. on our, <laughs> thumbs up. I'm a hand talker. So if you see all these emojis coming up, <laughs> all of my zoom calls lately have been full of discovering. I've got some setting turned on that I'm getting fireworks, hand emojis, thumbs. Like it's like, so I apologize to if anybody's watching this, I'm a hand talker, but I think that for me now, again, I'm going to give you context of I'm a church kid who grew up in a pastor's home, missionaries, PKMKTK, preacher's kid, missionary's kid, teacher's kid. But my dad really was a professor who wrestled with a call to ministry. So I grew up in the church, but did not know Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I mean? That's so my I, story. I, right. Yeah. I grew up. Yeah. I know we had talked about that. It's like, and you can know a lot about you and you, and especially if you grow up in church, mm-hmm. you have all this Christian subculture and language that just becomes part of your spiritual vocabulary that a non-Christian, and you probably have non-Christians who watch this or listen to your content. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't even know what you're talking about. So we get what I call Christianese. We get into sometimes this habit of, well, God knows, you know, he knows the number of hairs on your head and, you know, I, he's got good works for you to walk into and you may make your own plans and you, in these, we quote Proverbs, we quote Psalms, we quote all these different verses. Right. And ultimately is God sovereign for me. This is mm-hmm. the, I, this is, I'm, I'm getting to answering your question. Is God sovereign? Does he know everything? And is he in control? 100% yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And yes. And yes. And yes. D- does he order the steps of the right? The footsteps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. Well, there's what are the qualifiers on that? Righteous. So when you would, when you have God's righteousness and as a Christ follower, we believe that's given to you freely, right? We can't make ourselves righteous. So the sacrifice of Christ puts us in right standing with God. Does that mean we become robots and, and puppets, you know, I always think about the marionette puppets, like, and there's some people who theologically they would go 100%. God mm-hmm. is 100% sovereign. He is in control. He chooses who's going to hell. He chooses who's going to heaven. And you really don't even have a say in it. That's mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. me where you can swing so hardcore. And I'm not going to name theological systems right now. Cause you probably have a multiple, viewers who believe a lot of different things, but the big, for me, it's like God gives us, there's human responsibility and God's sovereignty. Mm-hmm. And how do you bring those two things together? Mm-hmm. Some people call it free will. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would call it human responsibility. We have these promises mm-hmm. that God makes that, and he sets us apart. There's lots of language in the new Testament. I go to Ephesians two, eight, nine, and 10 when I think about this question, because it's by grace, you have been saved, right? Mm-hmm. Without grace, I mean, w- w- why? Because we, if we could do anything to earn it, then we could boast about it, right? So you mm-hmm. have this famous Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 about salvation and Paul's kind of summarized view of, oh, you can't do anything to earn your salvation. It's freely given. You didn't do anything to deserve it. And then a lot of people leave out verse 10, which for... Well, because you're saved by grace through faith in Christ and his finished work on the cross, 
for we are God's workmanship created Mm -hmm. in advance Mm -hmm. to walk into the good works that God has prepared for us. Now, Mm -hmm. my interpretation of that, and I don't think God is forcing you to do anything. Mm -hmm. I think God has plans that you can 100% compromise. I mean, I work with pastors all the time. And unfortunately, sometimes I have to work with pastors who've blown up their lives by decisions they make, you know, who've made compromising choices, whatever. And they were on a path that I believe 100% was God's plan for their life to impact the kingdom. And yet they still had the responsibility to steward the gift, the anointing, the calling. Well, does that mean God's plans are going to be disrupted? No. Does that mean you lose God's love for your life? Of course not. However, there are consequences Mm -hmm. to our choices. You know, look at King David. You know, I always think about King David was, was it God's desire for him to be king? Of course, did God make him a promise that one day someone from your descendant, like a descendant of you, David, is going to rule and reign on the throne forever? Obviously, messianic promise talking about the kingdom and Jesus. And in the meantime, uh, I love you and there's no one else like you. You're a man after my own heart. However, he makes a huge decision that compromises his integrity, compromises his kingdom. His son rebels against him. He loses the kingdom. He's he's riding out and leaving the city that he built. And so mm-hmm. there's consequences. Did that disrupt God's ultimate plan to send us Jesus through his descendant? No. Did he pay the price for that and the pain of it and experience that? Yes. Did also God use the pain to write one of the greatest psalms of all time, Psalm 51. We wouldn't have Psalm 51, the psalm of confession, without mm-hmm. David falling. Right. So I don't mm-hmm. think that that, so that God still used his mistake right. in his ultimate plan, which if he's going to use human beings, then he's got a plan to deal with mistakes, right? Yeah. Because yeah. we all we all sin and fall short of glory of God, and we all blow it and make mistakes. So I think... For me personally, I'm not a fatalist. You know, I think sometimes you can get like, oh my gosh, I made this one decision and now can you ruin your life with a decision? 100%. Can you ruin a relationship with a bad decision? 100%. Have I dealt with married couples who are no longer married because of choices they made? Yes. But can God still redeem that, use you and have purpose in your life? 100%. Was that his perfect plan for you? Well, then you get into the if-then statements of the Bible, which are all over it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Am I helping at all? I know that's a long, long-winded answer to your question. You know? Yeah. No, that was really good. Really, really good. We actually just uh, we filmed an episode this last one, so it'll come out th- right before this episode will come out with you. And we we kind of touched on that because our pastor talked about that as well. Like just people uh, being called to do something in the Bible and then like still making mistakes mm-hmm. um, along the way. But like he gave the example of Abraham, right? So like he was promised that he was going to be the father of many nations. And then like right after he lied to Pharaoh about his wife. So it's like, we're going to mess up, right? Yeah. We don't, he doesn't expect us to be like as right. perfect as Jesus, but mm-hmm. yeah, that was perfect. Yeah. Perfect answer. And it, it kind of leads us into our next question, Paul, which is honestly okay. a perfect segue. And the question is, 
is it true that God has your life mapped out or only certain parts? <laughs> wow. Wow. You guys are just going for it. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so I'll, I'll give you an example. Yeah. So a couple, like a year ago when I was dating this girl and she broke up with me, did God know that that was going to happen for me to get to Michelle? Like that's just an example. Or if people that you are talking to about like their marriage and stuff like that, let's say a husband or a wife cheats or whatever, did God know that that was going to happen? If so, why would he even put them together in the first place? Right? Right. Right. Yeah. Um, again, it's the other side of that coin. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the, it's the, here's the, the, there's the perfect will of God on this side. And then there's the permissive will of God on this side. The perfect will of God is we already know what his perfect will is. It's like, if you were in a, let's use marriage for an example. If you're in a covenant relationship, his will for marriage is that it's one man, one woman for life, right? right. Mm-hmm. His permissive will and you go back all the way back to the Old Testament, and this is something Jesus addresses because, you know, the other side of that is, well, you guys have married. You, you've you already broken my covenant because I told you not to intermarry with people, you know, going back to the promised land. Don't mix with the people who are inhabiting because mm-hmm. they're pagans. They worship false gods. They sacrifice their own children. So let's not intermingle with them. I'm already pushing them out so that you get the land I promised you. What happened? They do exactly what God said not to do. Mm-hmm. And then God later allows them to have divorce. And then what does man do? So God's permissive will was under certain parameters. Yes, you can get a divorce biblically. Well, they run with that too, you know, and oh, this is old Testament. This is, you know, thousand years BC. You've got husbands who are divorcing their wife because they didn't like their food. And they're like, well, Moses mm-hmm. said, Moses said, you know, mm-hmm. and it was very patriarchal. It was very dominated by men. And so they're they're taking God's permissive will, which is, well, yeah, if someone breaks the covenant and commits adultery, you can. And then they go and add on all these other things because, well, God said you could. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so I think that you've mm-hmm. got, do I, do I think God uses, I think it's C.S. Lewis said that, you know, God's, God's voice is loudest through pain. It's like pain is the megaphone, which he speaks through. And you got to, you, you have to reconcile that we have a suffering God at some point, like in our, our view of like theologically every, because we, we think sometimes and sometimes, and you guys, and I won't bring up any names of anything, but you guys have experienced churches where sometimes the message is, you know, prosperity and blessing. And, you know, if, if you, if you just got Jesus and all your life's going to be great, you're going to be wealthy. You're going to be wise. You're going to, you know, well, let's Isaiah 53 prophesied that the, the, the Messiah would suffer. Jesus fulfilled that. And you'll read Hebrews. I mean, it's, it's just hard to reconcile a faith without suffering. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think that we're going to, we're going to suffer. So, and that's a whole nother theological conundrum that we don't have to get into today. It's like, how can a good God allow suffering? Well, it's kind of, mm-hmm. there's always those two sides to those questions, right? It's like, well, how can a loving God even allow us to be in his presence at all so that right. we can, ha- so we can have his peace and his love in the middle of our suffering? That's the question I think you should be asking, but what is our human nature is, you know, 
how can you let this happen? I love you. And, you know, we, we do what human nature usually does is we point at God when, when something doesn't go our way or our mm -hmm. perceived way. And sometimes to get back to your actual question is like, and sometimes it's a decision that we made and did we disrupt our, his plan, you know, for our right. life. And I think that mm -hmm. that's the, or does he use, I know tons of people who've had God allowed certain things to happen that might be a breakup, might be a negative situation, might be even an addiction that they created in their own life that eventually led them to the place of repentance, which led them to a heart for now. Was it God's plan for them to be an addict? I don't think so. That was a sinful mm -hmm. choice that they made that God in turn, that's what the gospel does. It redeems it, you know, mm -hmm. and, and then turns our failures into a future that God can still glorify himself through, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? So I, I think that, I don't know if I'm answering what you're trying to ask, but mm -hmm. um, I, I think that ultimately a lot of these questions come down to, can God still use us if we blow it? Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Is there, am yeah. I still redeemable and lovable if I that's, that's mess a really up? You know what I mean? For this. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good title for this episode. Can God still use us if we blow it? Yeah. <laughs> that would be, you know what? That would be a really, really, really good YouTube video for me to make. Can God yeah. still use us even if we blow it? Yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. No, that might, it's a, uh, that could be a great title for a sermon. Uh, yeah. You know, or a series. It's yeah, a whole please. series. That's yeah, a whole that, series. Yeah, please make that series, Paul. We would definitely love to watch it. There we go. There we go. All right, so he here's here's a question that's for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um so obviously, like I told you, I'm I'm on the internet and stuff and you know, I post YouTube videos, stuff like that. And what I also do is I go on uh TikTok live a lot. Okay. Um, and I get slammed by atheists, like <laughs> slammed. All right. right. Yep. And so the question is when an atheist challenges our beliefs, but we do not know the answer, how should we reply as believers? I think you got two different, two different audiences or let me give you two different scenarios. One is that that kind of scenario when it's not a face to face and you don't have personal relationship. And I'm not in, I don't, I'm not saying you cannot have a relationship that's purely digital. Thank mm -hmm. God we're, I'm, we're halfway across the country. We're having this conversation. We have mm -hmm. that tool now and those are real relationships. But what I'm saying is in that scenario, when you're streaming to bring influence to the gospel and then you've got, can I call them trolls? Is that appropriate? Yeah, that's yeah, that's very. I mean, that's yeah. their goal, right? Yeah. Right. That's their. That's literally what they're doing, and all they yeah. want to do is they've. This has popped up on their feed, which, by the way, I'm sure you know this. They probably have. They literally intentionally follow Christian channels because their sole intent is to debunk what you're saying and cause disruption. Mm -hmm. And and the enemy, I mean, we got to remember, like our battle is not against flesh and blood. Right. It's against rulers and principalities and authorities in heavenly places. So there's real, mm -hmm. and I think, I mean, are you talking about like a microcosm of that, like that you can see 
the internet is both of those, right? It's the, mm-hmm. the ultimate tool to influence the gospel and it's full of every evil, vile thing and person that you could possibly encounter. So I think a lot of times in my comment sections, you know, you just ignore it. That's what I, I do. Mm-hmm. Now, if I have a relationship or if you're in, you're actually having a meaningful, meaningful dialogue with someone in a chat or whatever, however you guys do that. And you got somebody who's a regular and they're like, yeah, I had that same question. Well, then I give an answer or I say, I don't know. And I've got atheist friends and we've had atheists who've come to this church and I've had the privilege of leading atheists to Christ. And I've had lots of atheists tell me, no, I respect you and what you do, but I will never believe that. So I've had it all over the board. But if it's a, gotcha. a, if it's a relationship, which is always going to be my heart is like, Hey, what's the common thing that we can agree on? We're both human beings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. And so let's, let's, can we have a dialogue? Cause you don't believe mm-hmm. what I believe and I don't believe what you believe, but what can we find commonality around is that, you know, in my worldview, I believe that you're an image bearer of God and therefore mm-hmm. you're worthy of my respect and honor. So I don't have an answer. That's a great question mm-hmm. because they've got, they've got their four or five people that they, and what's interesting about most atheists I know is that their, their ideology and their belief system, they are placing just as much, if not more faith in that mm-hmm. than yeah. a, a believer or religious person of any religion, much less, mm-hmm. you know, we have the Christianity way more faith in the, mm-hmm. in the, in their little, you know, five authors that they are devouring everything they said and, you know, attacking, mm-hmm. they're going on the offensive. And a lot of times they're going to specifically go after things. They know the average Christian cannot answer mm-hmm. at least without gotcha. some help. So what I yeah. typically yeah. do, and even as a, you know, someone who's, Oh, you know, you, you, when you get old, you forget like, how long have I been doing this? <laughs> it's like my first church staff, I became a Christian in, in uh, 93 at the very end of 93 in college. And I immediately, you know, was just so enraptured by what God had done in my life that I just wanted to tell people about Jesus. And I was, mm-hmm. I'd tell people about Jesus in, in coffee shops and, any, you know, I played football. I was telling my teammates. And then when I would encounter people back then, uh, I didn't, I had no biblical grounding, no theological training. And I'm like, Oh, and then I would just kind of freeze up and like, Oh, I don't know, but Jesus loves you. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, but I know my, my story is, and then they're immediately, as soon as you say my story, then, but I, I think ultimately when it comes to someone who is a atheist, who's asking a question, maybe that you can't answer. If I have any kind of relationship with them, I'm going to say, Hey, I don't know. I do not mm-hmm. know the answer to that question, but I would love to go on a journey to learn what you think. And then if you let me do a little research, I'd love to get back together because I do think that there is an answer to your question. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that's the thing is like, we, we, we postured ourselves so much. I just think in general in culture right now that, you know, you've got these silos of voices that, and what we do is we just go to our echo chambers and, you know, it's bouncing around the same ideas. And I'm just looking at this little mm-hmm. box that my camera here and it's like, and then I step over into your world to assassinate you 
and tell you all the things that I, I know <laughs> team, team, mm-hmm. whatever, atheist, conservative, liberal, you know, we're, we're in another mm-hmm. election year, you know, people are yeah. right now, they're just going into their echo chambers mm-hmm. and then they come out and snipe the other side, right. which is what happens in your TikTok feed. you got someone yeah. who's, they're in their atheist echo chamber. They're really not interested at all with doing an honest intellectual and spiritual pursuit of are the claims of Jesus Christ true or not? They're not even, they don't even, if they were honest with you, they have no intent of doing that. They just want to disrupt you and make Christians look like fools. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think that that, that's a little different than if you have a personal friendship or relationship where someone starts asking you questions that you can't answer. I think you show humility and you say, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'd love to continue the conversation if you're willing. That's how I've approached Mm -hmm. it. And you'll find out if the person's genuine and I've had some wonderful stories and a lot of times they'll, sometimes they'll actually just be honest and like, no, I have no intent. I, it doesn't matter what you go find out. I'm not going to listen to you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Well, I'm like, Oh, yeah. at least you're being mm-hmm. honest. I appreciate you yeah, being honest. But I think when we start and I'm not saying we should be, you should be as young followers of Christ, you should be growing. You should be mm-hmm. learning and, and, mm-hmm. You know, Peter and Paul, you know, they both are, they have a very good apologetic. They have a defense of their faith. They can say why they believe what they believe. They are going to pagan nations to, you know, Jews who are, they're coming out of Judaism, but now they've got this different belief. They believe the Messiah is here. You don't. So how do I convince you that it's really him? And then they step into, you know, Gentile world where, you know, in Acts, Paul's walking into a, the Areopagus in Athens and going, I see that you guys are very religious, but their whole worldview and belief system is different. So he's having to try Mm -hmm. to unpack that. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think we still have that responsibility, Mm -hmm. but when it comes to everyday life, when we show humility and say, you know what? I don't know. I I know that Jesus has changed my life and there's probably an answer. And I would love to have that conversation with you if you'll allow me to go find out. And then mm-hmm. I think someone who's really on a, a spiritual journey who considers themselves an atheist, they respect that. And then you'll enter into a dialogue and you may actually build a friend versus just some kind of antagonistic fight, which is a lot of times mm-hmm. what atheists are trying to do. They're just trying to pick a fight right. with a canned answer that they know is going to stump you. Mm-hmm. And they have no yeah. genuine, genuine intellectual curiosity to have a dialogue. You know what I mean? They're mm-hmm. just disrupting. And I'm not saying it's not important that yeah. you, and, and then you need to have defense, but there are some people that's what they do. You know, there mm-hmm. are people who spend their lives as apologists and they go to mm-hmm. college campuses and they have debates with atheists and they study philosophy and they study theology mm-hmm. and they're able to have a reasonable conversation. The average Christian yeah get shredded if, because they just don't, they don't have the time yeah. or energy and they've never been taught how to defend their faith. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Right. Does that answer your question? Oh yeah. Nailed it, Paul. This, this, you want to ask the next one or I was, I was going to tell a little bit of a story about oh, yeah. why I'm asking this one. Oh, those, yeah, go ahead. So, at, oh, I know what you're yeah, at, at Thanksgiving, um, I was talking to my uncle and he he's he's a believer. He goes to church. Yep. Um, and one of his daughters and one of his sons fell out of the faith. 
Okay. And so Michelle and I were talking to him and uh, we were talking about salvation and he was like, well, he brought, I forget. Yeah. He, something he, to do with the topic. Yeah. He brought up salvation. Okay. And he was like, yeah. And <clears throat> people can lose their salvation. Like it's happened in my life and I can prove it all throughout the Bible. And Michelle and I just looked at each other and we were like, interesting. And the first thought I go to is they just weren't saved in the first place. Right. Because so that, because that was my story. So I actually filmed a Q and a as my first episode. And I said, yes, because of my story. And then I learned after talking to a very good friend who called me out on it, that yeah. there was way more scripture proving that it's not possible. So that's a discussion that we had is were they ever saved in the first place? Yeah. Because I feel like nowadays people are like, you know, deconstructing and yeah, 100%, they're yeah. going away, but it's like, were you ever there in the first place? Yeah. So that's, that's kind of the question is, is deconstruction real or is that something that was man-made that just got made up. Yeah. Why is there such a debate around whether or not you can lose your salvation? Because that's yeah. also something I get challenged by is people will be like, I used to be a Christian and now I'm not because it's this and this and this. And I'm like, well, okay, well, what you just described to me was your church wasn't good. The people around you weren't good. <laughs> we don't follow Christians. We follow Jesus. Yeah. Right? So yes, yes. What, yes. What, is, what, is, what are your thoughts on just the whole deconstruction era? Lots of disclaimers. I want to say this first. I, I believe church hurt is real. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. People yeah. have been genuine. I had a, a literal lunch today, right before we started recording this, of someone whose wife had been inappropriately touched by mm -hmm. a spiritual leader in a Christian school. Mm -hmm. And the mom, she told the mom, mom, you know, this is an age where, oh gosh, that'll bring shame to the family and didn't even tell the husband. And, and she did not ever even share that till they were driving by the church with her married husband and it came out. Right. So yeah. there, there are plenty of people who've been hurt by organized religion. Let's, let's call it organized religion. Um, and I think that those people sometimes will, you know, quote unquote deconstruct because of church hurt bad right. experience. It doesn't even have to be sexual abuse. It could be, you know, a, a leader who made a decision that was hurtful to them, you know, wrongly terminated. Well, there are lots and lots of, but I think a lot of times those, like you said, I agree with you. So I'm not saying those things aren't real. Right. They are. Um, yeah. but, and a lot of people will use those ex as excuses to abandon their faith. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, now the whole deconstruction movement, it's been happening. It wasn't labeled that 20 years ago, 30 years ago, but people have been saying, I used to be a Christian for 2000 years. There have been mm. uh, apostates for, for, for 2000 years. There've been, uh, you know, and I think about a lot of what Jesus says, I go back to the sayings of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus. And then you look at Paul's theology and I'll, I'll play my theological cards. I grew up in that the settings that I grew up in. My dad was Pentecostal, Church of God of Cleveland, Tennessee, Lee College. He was a professor there. And then when we went on the mission field, this is all when I was five years. So my birth through five was in that Pentecostal environment, which traditionally has believed you can lose your salvation. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, not all. Listen, this is a, that's a huge blanket. So don't, you know, if your listeners are going, oh, I'm a Pentecostal, I don't believe that. Well, I'm, I'm saying broadly, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and then you go to like a Baptistic movement. Mm-hmm. Like any Southern Baptist, American Baptist, fundamental Baptist, there's a billion Baptists. They are very much, and you would hear this expression a lot in the South in particular. And so if I use my Southern accent, don't get offended because I'm actually from Georgia. But, you know, you would hear like a once saved, always saved, brother. You know, it's mm-hmm. that kind of mentality. And you guys are now in Texas and there's a whole lot of that type of mentality, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, the theologically do I believe that if you are genuinely saved and you repent and mm-hmm. turn from your sins that that I can somehow nullify what Jesus Christ did on the cross for me no I do not mm-hmm. I, I believe that if you have genuinely tasted and seen that the Lord is good if you have genuinely mm-hmm. turned from your sin if you have genuinely been filled with the Holy Spirit and born again those mm-hmm. things are all things that have nothing to do with your performance, have nothing mm-hmm. to do with any other thing than I place my faith in the finished work of Calvary. Mm-hmm. And I had to open that gift and receive that gift. I don't believe God snatches it back or takes it back. Mm-hmm. There are some scriptures, you know, Hebrews 6 is one of those um, that a lot of people will use as a proof text to say, well, you, well, it says in Hebrews 6 that it, it's impossible for those who have been enlightened in the Greek word there is who've, you know, had a, an experience, a spiritual experience mm-hmm. uh, to deny the cross or to deny Jesus and then be brought back into. Like if you, do, you know, you can't like they've they've had it, but then they abandon it. And, and there's like a few verses. And again, that's why it's so important that you read the whole counsel Mm -hmm. of God. (laughs) There's 66 books. And if you go and read the whole chapter, um, there are people within all of our churches that say they're Christian, that sometimes do the things that Christians do. They have the lingo and the language, but their hearts have not been regenerated. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and ultimately one day Jesus said, I'm going to return and I, I will separate the sheeps from the goats. Mm-hmm. And that's right. not now. Can I, as a believer discern and look at fruit, faithfulness, you know, life change and go, okay, there's a good chance that that person really knows Jesus. Or is it going to be like, you know, us who thought we were saved. I thought I was saved when I was eight. Cause I got baptized yep. and prayed. Pray the magical mystery Jesus prayer is what I call it. Yeah. Yeah. And I wasn't, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, because why? Because my life didn't change. I didn't follow Mm -hmm. Jesus and, Mm -hmm. uh, and I had no fruit. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So, so that again, I, I lean more towards a theological framework that you, the, the reformation would call the perseverance of the saints. Right. Mm -hmm. That if, if you were really saved, then you were going to finish, you'll finish the race. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think that that's the, there's a lot of people who say, well, I used to be a Christian. Well, no, you never were. You were a church attender. Mm -hmm. And then you always have the rare, like, oh my gosh, that guy was, 
a pastor or they were a Christian artist or they used to lead people in worship and, you know, and now they're apostate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My, my opinion is that they were still, they, they did all that stuff and they weren't actually a believer. Yep. Yeah. If grace is really grace, then nothing I can do can negate right. what, what Christ did for me. Mm-hmm. That he's not going to give me a gift that he takes away based on no different than I'm going to disown my child. Mm-hmm. You know, my four kids have all made mistakes and none of those mistakes, and some of them were severe, could ever change my love for them or the fact that I am still their dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that, that yeah. what, what it does is it puts the a couple of limited passages of Scripture end up being used to base a whole system of fear-based, you know, control, you know, mm-hmm. well, don't, you, you better not, you know, do that because you know, you can lose it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my mom, my mom passed away a couple of years ago. She was probably leaned. I can think through sayings and stuff she would say to me, you know, uh, that she leaned on that, on her Pentecostal roots the way she grew mm-hmm. up and hearing that from a preacher and, you know, well, you better be careful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, uh, and I, and that's not a slam on my mom. I love my mom, you know, but I think that there's, there's really good people on both sides of that coin. Uh, mm-hmm. Like there are on a lot of doctrines in scripture, right. you know, and it's like, you know, we got to have unity on the essentials. Let there be unity on the non-essentials. Let there be Liberty. Oh, there's our, there's my thumbs up. See? Thumbs up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that was really good. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, that was something that was really hard for me to understand. Like after I, cause I did, really didn't know that that was my story until I right. like really, like I answered the question that way. And my friend was like, why did you answer it that way? And then yeah. I explained it and she was like, well, either that's just part of your testimony that you just backslid or maybe you weren't saved. And I was like, I don't think I was saved because there was no fruit in my life. I didn't feel any different. I was going to Christian music festivals, mission trips. I grew up Methodist and I did all those things and was never truly. And now that I am saved, it's like, I would never want to leave it. That's what's hard to like wrap my head around. Well, I'm very similar. You know, I, when I was in high school, I, you know, Grew up in the Christian home, prayed the prayer, got baptized. Didn't really, I wasn't a bad kid until I was. So mm-hmm. like, you know, freshman year, I started experimenting, you know, conservative, very conservative home, small town. You kind of like eighth, ninth grade, you either went church kid or you went party kid. And mm-hmm. I had never, a lot of my friends had started drinking drugs, all that stuff, like junior high. And I was too scared of my, my mom <laughs> to do that. And then when, when I began to walk down that path, I still was doing the church because I had to go to church, you know, in my high school, I got, I, I became FCA president because the whole group, you went to FCA cause you got free donuts. Right. <laughs> and then, and then the, I got nominated to be, I became literally the president of FCA as a non-Christian because my dad was a teacher. My dad was a missionary. We grew up in church. They're the church people. They were missionaries. And because I did all the stuff, you know, and I remember going to an FCA camp, and at that camp sitting there going, Oh my gosh, I'm lost. I am lost. <laughs> yeah. And I was a huddle. Yeah. I was a huddle leader. You know what yeah. I mean? The, a small group leader. 
And, and then when I, when I actually had my life change, Michelle, my, I remember the first time my parents heard me first time I ever spoke in a church, you know, I got invited to speak, share my testimony at this church and my parents drove up a couple hours to hear me. And I was, and my testimony is pretty raw and I'll never forget like coming down afterwards and talking to all these people. And I finally get to my parents and my mom is bawling, like crying, mm-hmm. not in a good way. Yeah. She, and she's like, I thought you were saved when you were eight, you know, and I can't yeah. believe we failed. And I'm like, mom, this has nothing to do with you. Yeah. yeah. And then I was like confused. I confused myself. I'm like, did I just share my testimony wrong? Did I get, yeah. you know what I mean? Did I get saved yeah. at eight? And then I actually got convicted for being not walking. I got convicted in sophomore year in high school for being backslidden. And then I finally, you know, became a fully engaged, we call it fully engaged follower of Christ when mm-hmm. I was 21. I'm like, and then I just mm-hmm. prayed. I'm like, God's like, uh, no, you, I yeah. never knew you. <laughs> you yeah. certainly didn't yeah. know me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this, this next question is something that, uh, Asher and I have talked about a lot and that we've kind of like just battled because of how we were both raised. So I grew up in a Methodist church and yeah, he did too. So we want to, we want to know, um, obviously reverse crossing is non-denominational. So we want to know why there are so many different denominations. And, and on that point, I want to ask why do Catholics go so much to Matthew sixteen eighteen and say that we need to follow the church, the the true church that is, okay, the, the Catholic Church? Yeah. yeah. Yes. All right. Those are two two questions. Um, I've got a brother. Mm-hmm. I'll start here. Uh, my oldest brother converted to Catholicism in his fifties. Wow. Okay. So he grew up like I did. Uh, mm-hmm. in a Protestant setting, um, in a kind of mixed, like I said, you know, Baptocostal is what I would call mm-hmm. it. So like, uh, my dad was ordained in the church of God as a missionary, came off the mission field, switched to Southern Baptist. This mm-hmm. was during my, my brother's high school years. So he's 12 years older. I'm young, so I don't really know, you know, I just know that we're Southern Baptists. I probably really didn't even know. I knew there was in most small towns and there's a first, this, there's a first Methodist, a first Presbyterian, a first Baptist all downtown, sometimes on opposing corners of streets, literally, you know, on one block. And that was the kind of hometown I grew up in, small town in Georgia. So I didn't really understand personally any of that. And until I actually started following Jesus. And then I just went back to the, what I knew. My experience was I get saved through parachurch and really for me, and again, it goes back to some of the earlier discussions, you know, that we were talking about, you know, um, I made a bunch of choices that got me to a place that I was very, very dark, experienced a lot of negative consequences from my behavior and my choices. And when I finally came to faith, it was through an organization that for me at that time in my life. I don't think I'd ever really heard about grace. You know, we already talked about the, you can lose your salvation and you better be careful or this kind of that very legalistic environment. So I get saved through parachurch. I still knew I needed to go to church. And my first experience was to go back to a Southern Baptist church and because that's what I knew. And someone invited me, Hey, they have Wednesday night service. I went on a Wednesday night right after a football practice 
at UGA and I had a hat on and they were renovating their sanctuary and they were meeting in the gym. So I walk into the gym respectfully, quietly sat down because I got there. We had practice. We got there late. And I had a gentleman come over, older gentleman, with a long, bony, pointy finger. And he put his finger in my shoulder and, like, dug into my shoulder. And he said, take your hat off in the house of God. And I just remember going, okay. I, I literally, respectfully, I wasn't rude. I just got up and left. And, and I thought to myself, I'm like, that's exactly why I hated church in the first place, right there. Mm. Now, that is an example of a certain type of, at that time, Baptist stereotype. Mm-hmm. And there are great Baptist churches and there mm-hmm. are, you know, great Methodist churches. There are Methodist churches that aren't preaching the gospel. And there are, and so denominations basically originated after the Protestant Reformation. And there were already sects of Catholicism because, you know, that was, Catholic just means universal, right? And their claim, your the Matthew claim is, you know, their interpretation of Jesus's declaration that, when Peter professed, you are the Christ, that Protestants view that as that was the truth that the church would be built on. Mm. Whereas the Catholic church traces that to papal authority. Exactly. And, and, and one true church descended directly from Peter himself because Jesus was telling Peter, it wasn't what Peter said. It was Peter himself. Right. And I think that that's, so that's where you get into it, tradition and scripture both having authority mm-hmm. within Catholicism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tra- tradition has, you know, and now a lot of Catholics wouldn't say that has equal weight, but when you read their theological positions, they value and weigh tradition that's mm-hmm. been handed down just as authoritative as scripture. And that's mm-hmm. what, you know, Mar- Martin Luther nailed the 95 theses to the castle wall in Wittenberg and, and said, no, it's sola scriptura. It's, it's scripture only. It is by mm-hmm. grace, you know, justification through, by faith, through grace alone. So that burst the Protestant movement, then the Counter-Reformation. And then why are there denominations? Because people disagree on what's essential. Some people say open hand. You know, open-handed, these are the things we might disagree about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. These things, closed-fisted, Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the only way. Jesus mm-hmm. is was, was physically buried and physically resurrected. Faith in him alone. You know, the kind of the basics of the gospel. Open-handed items, baptism by immersion, or sprinkle, you know. Right. Uh, Women can be pastors or women can't be pastors. You know, can you, can you speak in tongues? Can't you speak in tongues? Those should be things that we're, we're believers and we may disagree about these things, but we're not going to be separate. Yeah. Right. So a lot of denominations formed out of, well, we believe this and well, we don't, well, Mm -hmm. we're going to go do our own thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So with with the open-handed stuff, right? Do you believe that Jesus is going to judge us on that? Because that's also 
what I get asked on. The stuff we disagree on is Jesus going to judge us for it. Right. I think I think we are all going to be. Um, what is what is what is going to be evaluated? Our works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Our works don't save us, but good works follow a fruitful life. And right, those yeah. will those will stand before the great judgment seat, and mm-hmm. only what was pure, intentional, and done for the kingdom is gonna we're gonna be given the reward for. Everything mm-hmm. else has already been quote unquote judged at the cross. Mm-hmm. I think what's gonna happen is a lot of us are gonna find out. I've got a a, a pastor friend uh, who said, you know, there's a fifty one percent chance that we're both wrong about, about an issue that usually yeah, an issue yeah. that that's, that's controversial within the yeah. body, body of Christ or, you know, Pado versus credo baptism, you know, mm-hmm. Pado infant baptism, credo confessional. Uh, I confess Jesus is Lord. Mm-hmm. Ta- I mean, entire denominations were, were started and still to exist today based on those two things. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's why, you know, um, a lot of Presbyterian, Lutheran, they took their, they broke off from Catholicism, but they kept infant baptism. Mm-hmm. And then the Baptist movement, you know, uh, and many others, Anabaptists, Baptists, Pentecostals, they said, no, I mean, if Jesus got baptized under the water, we should get baptized under the water. Mm-hmm. So movements start out of that and around, a, I'm not exaggerating, hundreds of other issues, quote unquote, yeah. in the in the Bible. So why are there denominations? Because we're fallen, broken people. Yeah. You know, and then sometimes I think for, for us, the reason we're non-denominational is because I served in a Southern Baptist church, an American Baptist church, an Anglican church. And got saved through parachurch. And I learned things about God and the scriptures that were tremendous in all four of those different, you know, three of those denominations and then one uh, parachurch mm-hmm. that that shaped my view of the Bible, that shaped my view of discipleship. None of those were found within any one denomination. So for us, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, we wanted that's it goes back to balance. We want. We don't want to be known for what we're against. We'd rather be known for what we're for, exactly. you know? So that's, yeah. yeah, I don't know if that answers the question, but the reason really there's denominations because yeah. people have different interpretations of, of passages of scripture. Yeah. Yeah. You nailed it. That's really good. So, um, this will probably be the last question. Um, because it feels like this may take you some time to answer. Okay. <laughs> so, um, there are a lot of people in Michelle and I's life who are on, we can tell just by, I don't even know if you would call fruit, but they're the regular churchgoers, lukewarm, mm-hmm. and yep. they claim that they know God and they love God, but they don't fear God the way he needs to be feared. And essentially what I want to ask you is what is the most loving way to correct someone that claims that they know God and they are saved, but you can tell with the fruit in their life that they are definitely not. And they're openly sinning. Yeah. And they're openly going back to the same sin and they say, 
it's okay, Jesus forgives me, I still love him, stuff like that. Because I put out a video the other yeah. day and basically saying, if these people are calling themselves Christians, we are called to correct them. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to say I got backlash for it, but some people were very upset by that. And it's like, you're probably upset by it because you're doing the same thing, right? Yes. <laughs> and what's, the, what's, what's every nominal believer or even non-believer's favorite thing to say, well, you know, you don't point out the speck in my eye when you've got a log in your eye. Right. Jesus said, you are a bunch of hypocrites. Jesus came down harder on the hypocrites than anybody. You know, it's like, yeah, but it's also Jesus who says that judgment begins in the house of the Lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Paul wrote all the time about, like, why, why are you like harassing non-believers? Mm-hmm. What do you expect them to do? The, you know, the, but it, but if you call yourself a follower of Christ, and then he has his list, you know, the works right. of the flesh are boom, 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 boom. Uh, the works of the spirit are boom, 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 boom. If the works of the flesh are what you sow to, then you do not know God or mm-hmm. you are uh, apostate. Back to our original question. You think yeah. you're a Christian and you're not. Now, mm-hmm. can we can we have habitual sin? 100%. Do we have indwelling sin that can be the thing that like is our thorn in the flesh? I think Paul left that intentionally vague or the spirit told him to leave that intentionally vague. Because he had some kind of issue in his life that he begged God to take away, that God left. Now, people disagree on what it was. They have all kinds of philosophies, right? Mm-hmm. But he had some kind of issue that God did not take away because he wanted him to understand he was fully dependent on him. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think that when it comes to sin, though, good grief. Jesus called out sin left and right Mm -hmm. and the new testament writers call out sin left and right you know Uh, so i think that you can do it lovingly if you have a relationship Mm -hmm. and a lot of times what we do and i say we i mean like broadly christianity in general Mm -hmm. or let's say let's just say evangelical yeah church movement you know we like to rail against social sin or politics or people or you know versus you know i just did this illustration a few weeks ago of you know what we try to do is a lot of times we use the scriptures and 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 point out the sin in other people's lives mm-hmm. you know and 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 i brought binoculars on the stage and it's like we use like we're looking for all this sin in everybody else's life well the bible says you know and mm-hmm. look at you Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Right. And then versus it being a mirror, like using it first to expose the sin of my own heart. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so we start there mm-hmm. and acknowledge that I need to examine my own heart, mm-hmm. but I'm genuinely not in perfection, but I'm genuinely following Jesus. And you claim to be his follower. Yet I know that there's this, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you know, you're living in unrepentant sin. You're saying one thing, doing another. You're mm-hmm. coming to church on Sunday, but, you know, Monday through Saturday, you want nothing to do with Jesus. You run your business unethically. You are married and you're sleeping with someone else. You're addicted to porn, whatever. We could name 50 sins yeah. that Christians struggle with. And if there's no, no remorse, no brokenness, 
at all, then do you really know Jesus? Can we harden our hearts? Ab- absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think the first thing we do is we pray for them. We pray for the Holy Spirit to soften their heart and convict them. And we do it with a spirit of love. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's where you swing, right? The pendulum, like, and it depends on your personality. And you guys both have different personalities. And I have a different personality. And if we if we lean more truth, sometimes we'll just call out the sin and we don't have the relational equity and the person never sees the love. Mm-hmm. Then you have the other person who leans more love and grace. Well, they're just, they're really struggling right now. And I know that they really love Jesus. And, you know, I know that, and, and you make excuses for them. And then Jesus brings them together, mm-hmm. right? He brings, I think the woman of the well for me is the classic story Yeah, of Jesus, Jesus meeting someone in their sin, calling mm-hmm. out their sin, but doing it in such a loving, winsome way that she becomes the evangelist who's running out to tell the Samaritans that the Messiah is here. Why? Because truth and grace came together. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we, we speak a lot of truth, but we don't share any love Mm -hmm. and that doesn't move the, that doesn't move the needle. Right. So I think that we, we have to, and in a platform like this, you have to allow the spirit when you guys are, sharing content, telling stories, inviting guests on the mm-hmm. spirit is the one who brings conviction. Right. Yeah. And if they're genuinely, if they genuinely know the Lord, mm-hmm. they are either suppressing, if they really do, they're either suppressing that mm-hmm. and ignoring it. Uh, which I've always said like a uh, man, you want to be miserable, try to live the Christian life without the power of the Holy spirit. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, try, try to, walk in perfection and never get and never understand that, Oh, you're going to have to confess sin too. At some point, I'm going to do something that hurts the people I love the most. However, when I do, I'm going to acknowledge it and get back up and keep following Christ. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. think that, you know, I, yes, the answer to me is yes. You have to lovingly confront sin and people that, you know, dude, you're claimed to be a Christ follower. And that is, and we've been doing that for, and I say we, like as a church, we've had to do yeah. it many, many, many times Yeah. Mm-hmm. with families, with, you know, because we'll get, people get angry. We find out someone's serving and they're living together and they're not married mm-hmm. and we find out about it. Then we have to confront them. And yeah. like, right. Well, how dare you? Well, I'm like, well, because you signed up to serve and sign an agreement <laughs> that said, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. but that's my, pr- well. Well, no, you're, you're in a different place. You're serving and we love you or whether that's whatever it is, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a sexuality thing, same sex attraction. You know, it's like, right. well, you're just calling me out because I'm same sex. No, we would call out a heterosexual couple who were living together. We didn't, exactly. Hey, we didn't even know that you were same sex attracted. And now, but now that we do, and you're acting on it, mm-hmm. it's no different than finding out a couple's having sex before they're married. We're going to ask them to step down and, until that sin issue exactly is, is dealt with. And the people who respond well, yeah. and sometimes they do, uh, but a lot of times what will happen is they'll just go to another church mm-hmm. or they'll leave or they'll get mad. Or like we started in the very beginning, oh, they Christian did this to me. Mm-hmm. Yep. God is love. Yep. 100%. But God is also holy. Yeah. Exactly. 
Exactly. That's what people miss out on. It's funny that you right. give that example because that's kind of what we deal with. And the couples that we've met here so far have been married already. So we haven't really had to deal with it like in our immediate life, but we don't live together. He lives 15 minutes away from me. And obviously we know like a lot of people are like, well, if you know, you're going to get married, whatever. It's fine. Right. Uh, no, it's yeah. not. It's going against the word because if he moves in, yeah. we know what's going to happen. Right. So it's, uh, it's something that like we get questioned on all the time by people who say they're believers and it's like, I know (laughs) it's weird. And then they, they like to say, well, it doesn't, it doesn't say in the Bible that you can't live with each other. And it's like, the Bible doesn't say a lot of things we're not supposed to do, dude. But (laughs) Like, right. Like that, that's not, that's not the point. It's like, I, I always like to say, if you're standing in front of Jesus and you ask him, should I do this? You probably know the answer, and that's the answer that needs to be that you should be telling yourself. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If you stand before Jesus and say, Hey, can I live with my girlfriend? I know we're getting married. Like, what is he gonna say? You really think he's gonna say yes? Right. Yeah, and if you're trying to get out out of a he says, Be holy as I am holy. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay. Um and when it comes to to human sexuality, mm-hmm. we are all broken. <laughs> God has a standard mm-hmm. that he blesses and humans have been making excuses and they always will. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause, and I think that, you know, that's just one of many examples, right. but I think that what you'll, and this is my, my last thing, because I know you guys got to wrap up on this topic. I always think about the parable of the seed and the sower. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. We talked about this one a lot too, mm-hmm. you know, and Jesus is, and then he held, he tells a story. And then immediately turns around and tells his disciples, you know, what it means. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when you think about that, only 25% of that seed really turns into someone who's really saved and a genuine mm-hmm. disciple. Mm-hmm. Right. One group flashes up, looks like it is on fire, problems of this world <laughs> and distractions of the world steal it away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Once one starts to grow, but it's it's on just a little bit of soil and it's rocks underneath. And so what happens? The moment the problem hits, the devil comes in. Mm-hmm. And so so that's like you know, I think sometimes we we get so upset when Jesus kind of already told us it's not yeah. always gonna. There's gonna be people within us and, and among our own ranks. You know, Acts twenty is a, a passage I go back to a lot. Uh, Paul's going on his missionary journeys and planting churches, going to encourage, and he's speaking to. The, he, it's the last time he's going to see the pastors and the leaders at the church at, of Ephesus. Mm-hmm. And so he's getting ready to sail. He knows he's going to Rome. He knows he's going to die there. Mm-hmm. And he tells them they they cry and they say goodbye. And he gives them this warning. He says, "Be careful. Mm-hmm. Be on the lookout." And he's writing to elders specifically. And he says, "Because surely from among your own ranks." wolves will arise Mm -hmm. that will destroy the church from within, you know? And I think that that's so easy to forget that Mm -hmm. we're always going to have people within the church who say they love Jesus, but don't obey. We're always going to have people within the church that claim to be Christians that really aren't, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think all we can do on this side is, you know, on these theological issues is pray, study, hope that we're getting it right. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, and sometimes we, we might, but I honestly think if we presume, you know, love the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as, as yourself, um, then a, a lot of the other stuff that we get so upset about or so divided on, uh, it'll take care of itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And again, and again, I'm not minimizing theology, but when you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you love someone else as yourself, that's going to take care of a lot Oh yeah. Of yeah. the issues. Yeah. You know what I mean? That w- mm-hmm. that we struggle with. Dang. Right. Well, thank you so much, Paul, for all this, dude. I'm yes. sure we're gonna get a lot Honor, of DMs man. asking for a part two. So maybe maybe once we're married and we come out with season three, we'll ask you again in the future. <laughs> be honored to be a part. Thank you guys for having me. Uh so excited for mm-hmm. what God's doing in both your lives and your stories and that you guys are doing this, is sharing God's love in a in a tangible way. So blessings uh on your channel and in your future and so glad you got connected to a church there too yeah awesome yes thank you yeah Yeah, we're really excited